0: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Transform Recruiting Podcast. Uh, been actually a little while since I've recorded one. I think I've recorded most of them before 2023, so hopefully I remember how to do this. Uh, <laughs> with me today is Mr. Brandon Metcalf. Brandon, thanks so much for being on, man. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. We'll, we'll get you back in the swing of things. Don't worry. Yeah. I was like having a conversation. What's that? I, I've been head down <laughs> working. Uh All right, so let's give everyone just a little bit of kind of Brandon 101 so that they understand where you're coming from here. So fill everyone in. Like who I am? Yeah, you, your background. Why would I want to talk to you
1: about recruiting? I mean, that's a loaded question there, Brad, (laughs) but I can at least tell you my background. So, you know, I came out of staffing and recruiting earlier in my career. I was with Kelly Services for a while, and then I was with a company called CV Partners. Um, I eventually took over running technology for CV partners to help us during the time that we wanted to scale. Um, and I basically changed everything in the company from hardware to infrastructure to, it led me to changing our software because what we had just was not enabling us to grow. So I looked at everything in the market, was not really pleased with anything I saw, was frustrated with what I had at Kelly as well. So I was like, why don't I just build a better one on, on Salesforce? Um, so that started off building uh, a product that eventually became a company called talent rover um, so we started to conceptualize and build it in 2009 we commercialized it at the end of 2011 scaled it to what eight, eight, uh, eight countries customers in 40 countries ranging from the adeco group all the way down to small smaller firms um, ended up selling the business to bullhorn in, in march of 2018. Um, it was a crazy ride. In, in 2017, Inc. magazine rated us as the uh, ninth fastest growing software company in America, which was pretty cool. Um, and then um, after I sold, I stayed with Bullhorn for just a short period of time and then wanted to go out and do my next thing and uh, ended up founding another company on Salesforce called Place, which I still run and it's doing well and growing and all that as a B2B SaaS company. Um, but then we started to get back into the recruiting bug. Um, so, you know, we started having conversations with folks at Salesforce, people in the industry, and started collaborating with a lot of people um, and decided there's an opportunity for us to reenter the recruiting space um, with a new type of product that we feel is very different from what we've seen in the, the market um, called Assemble. Um, and we officially, officially kicked it off, what, in, in September of last year? Um, and it's been, it's been pretty incredible insane sense. So it's, it's, it's a fun, fun, uh, endeavor to go through again.
0: Well, I, yeah, I have coming across you and getting to know you has been one of the fun parts about my job here. So I'm ha- excited to know you and happy that we keep getting to have conversations like this. Cause I like you was always the tech nerd at the recruiting firm. So I, I, I see a lot of my future in you, hopefully, uh, so, <laughs> hopefully it's a good future. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, So you have been around the technology landscape here for a while Um, since the theme of this podcast has always been the people, ideas, and tech that are transforming the industry. How have you seen technology change things? What kind of impact do you feel like it's had? And do you think it should be different than it is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... um... Recruiting has always been a little bit slower on the technology front than some of the other um, segments of, of technology. Specifically, if you look at what happens in sales and marketing there, they seem to always be on the cutting edge of everything, especially like some of the cool stuff now that we're seeing with um, all the AI tools are, that are out there. There's just a lot of innovation. Um, and you know, originally when when we looked at uh, creating Talent Rover, I had a similar mindset. It's like, why why is everything we're doing so complicated, so dated, so difficult? I mean, I worked at Kelly and I'm, you know, I'm in my earliest 40s. So this wasn't like a very long time ago. Um, but we had one screen that was green and we had to enter orders on a green screen. Um, and I was like, OK, this is, but you know, it's a while ago. Um <laughs> So fast forward to where we're at now and all of this incredible innovation around how do you engage with people, how do you connect with people, how do you move people through cycles? And I see a lot of it from, you know, with Place, we do we only saw the B2B SaaS companies, right? So we get to engage with so many cool innovative companies that are building the, the best, greatest technology that's gonna move SaaS into the next um uh level and a lot of it is around sales and marketing and i saw a lot of things around just direct engagement of like how can i talk to someone how can i follow up with someone so things like you know sales loft and outreach and and all of those tools and, and salesforce has high velocity sales and. Um, that just allow you to talk to people in ways that we've never been able to talk. All this stuff with chatbots now, uh, how you can engage with that. And, you know, you look then at the recruiting space and there just seems to be a void in that. And I think there's an opportunity. I think that's for me, the probably the biggest opportunity in recruiting, and this is for staffing or corporate recruiting of changing the dynamic of how you engage with your candidates how you find your candidates, what talent pools these candidates are coming from, how you get them to talk to you, how you get them to follow up with you and how you really stay in touch with, with hundreds or thousands of people um, so that you know who's available, who could be available, who has what interest, and all that, but you're relevant. And I, I compare that a lot to what we see with sales cadences. Like if you think about going out and trying to find a sales prospect uh, or a, a, a client, like all of the steps that you go through, like we're going to email them. and If they don't respond to the email, then I'm going to do this. And if that happens, I'm going to do that. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. You know, that level of engagement at a candidate recruitment level, I think is is a pretty fantastic opportunity to explore. Um, and I think there's other parts of them that that candidate journey that are really important. Like our, our Assemble product is simply an applicant tracking system where we take, you know, from the time you've identified a candidate to time you have placed a candidate, all the different steps into it so that you can, you can manage that. And, And I can talk about that more in a bit, but the big thing is like rethinking about the workflow of a recruiter's job of where do they spend most of their time? They don't spend most of their time on back office stuff. That's important. You have back office teams doing that they don't even really spend most of their time moving the candidate through the applicant tracking system. Yes, there's interviews and follow-up and all of that. Where they spend all of their time is finding candidates for jobs. Um, so looking at what technology resources are available to to help with that and how do you engage with those um, tools, I think that's going to be one of the biggest changes that I'm hoping that we see from two th- 2023 and beyond.
0: Because I'm with you. I think the the phone and email that everyone has relied on for so long and almost trying to force the issue of creating relationships that way. I feel like if we are truly trying to take a transactional business or sorry, a yeah, historically transactional business and make it relationship driven. Yeah, we have to think about our systems of engagement. And, you know, the the big kind of thoughts that I've been putting into this is how do we change the narrative from an applicant tracking system? Because I don't care about the tracking system. I've, and everyone listening to this has their own spreadsheet. I guarantee it. Everyone's got their own tracking, whatever. How do we take this idea of an applicant tracking system and instead come up with this applicant engagement system? Because there's kind of two things that come out of that. One, you have a better opportunity to build a relationship rather than just drag and drop any candidate and sending them the congratulations email. And then you've got the opportunity that now all of that data on all these different engagements, if AI truly is the future, having that's going to be super important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then also making it a real journey, making it a journey for you know the recruiter who's doing the job to go out and find and place these people, making it a journey for the candidate and, and for the client. So when we were conceptualizing, do we want to get back into the recruiting space? Uh, Because, gosh knows, there's there's a lot of other stuff I have going on. So it was a, a pretty focused decision of does this make sense? And is the opportunity really there? We were looking at exactly that. We were looking at, you know, ATSs are kind of a commodity. Um, you've got to have them. Yes, people use spreadsheets. But the reason why they use spreadsheets is because the ATS is not flexible enough for them to complete the workflow that they want to do inside of the ATS itself. Yep. But then it's not just the ATS. The ATS is one business process specific function that has to happen. And I think it's really important that you do have a flexible ATS that people can use for all different types of job types, industries and all of that. So that you can capture the data that you were talking about. And that is not living in a spreadsheet on someone's computer. And then, you know, you never get to see what's happening. Um, but I think it's it's one element that has to be combined with the engagement layer of how do you connect with people? How do you find people? I was on another podcast recently. And we were talking about this and it's like, you know, where do you go to find your candidates and what's your success rate worth with finding that? So if I'm doing outbound sales, I'm going to know what my channels are and I'm going to know. You know what my response rate is, what's my reply rate, what's my click-through rate, all of these different marketing and sales tactics that you use when trying to find a prospect. I think that's so relevant for trying to find candidates. So you can identify what is my best talent pool, where do I go to find these candidates, um, and how do I keep that engaged and refreshed? And that's more like the top of the funnel to get candidates in. And then you need the ATS that's flexible and dynamic that can manage all of the different situations I was talking about, and then you get to placement and then you move it into the back office for that. It's just a new way of, of thinking about technology for recruiting that's not new for some other industries. Like, it's not new for B2B SaaS. This is what we do all day long. It's like, how, how can we move the funnel faster? And We're looking specifically at funnel conversion metrics, and it's not just when a candidate gets into the ATS that we move it through. It's like, where am I touching these people? Where can I find them? Especially in, in this labor market that just continues to remain resilient regardless of what we're hearing on the news. Mm-hmm. And
0: the, well, outside the tech space, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so you mentioned metrics. We've all, when we were growing up, going through the recruiting system, it was always Okay, this many calls will likely net me this many phone calls, which will net me this many conversions, which will net me this many interviews and possibly this many placements. We've always tracked those types of things. I don't think those metrics and the accompanying thoughts and opinions have changed to this new technology engagement landscape. And I think to your point, other industries have solved this long ago, (laughs) long, long ago. And I know that there's going to be a lot of firm owners that are going to listen to this and that we might even see uh, while we're at SIA in March, by the way, come see it. I'm speaking there. Everyone come out to SIA in March. Um, How do you think they should start approaching this idea that, all right, I've got these fresh out of college kids that if I give them a list of people and a phone, they can just crush through that. Now, all of a sudden, I need to figure out a way to adapt the technology the technology to do what we're talking about. What are, I mean, you've seen a lot of implementations and after after purchase type things, what do you feel like are some of the best practices to start making this transition?
1: Yeah. I've also ran a desk. I mean, I was a recruiter making calls and, and finding candidates and, and, you know, both at Kelly and at CV partners before I moved into tech and um, I get it and there's a the mindset of just get on the phone, just dial, just dial, just dial. And, I applied that same to software, like when we were selling licenses for Talent River, when we were selling licenses for Place, just get on the phone and dial. And we did a lot of analysis of, is it working or is it not working? Um, And we realized that we had a higher conversion rate at Place when we didn't call people first, when we engaged with them in other ways, when we were putting out content that they responded well to, Um, So then we went on this content journey of how can we share content with the audience in various different ways and test it to see what sticks, to see what lands. Um, If you follow me on LinkedIn, I'm constantly putting out um, content. And it's part of our overall strategy to give more than we're getting. And that giving more than we're getting is actually driving a lot of inbound for that business. I look at it the same way for recruitment. Like if you're going to call, I don't think you should just stop calling people. I think calls are still relevant. Um, but the messages that you're sending out, are you testing what, what lands and what doesn't land? Do you have different versions of the same email that you're sending out to see what are people responding to? What's driving the type of candidate that you want in um, versus just spamming out a thousand or two thousand emails and hoping someone, hoping someone lands? And it's the spray and pray mentality that I think so many other industries have moved around for. Now you hear a lot about account based marketing. You hear a lot about um, personalization. Those things are so critical in digital communication to get the person interested and get the person to trust you and get the person to realize that you're just not trying to make a quick sale, which has always been something that has plagued the staffing industry, where sometimes it can come across that you're all you care about is making a placement versus helping me find a job that I'm going to love. Um, and I think leveraging technology in that way changes the script. And I think there's ways you can do it effectively without spending a fortune. With being efficient with your resources so you don't need to hire a whole extra team of people to do this to get them to deliver better results than you've ever seen before but i think it is changing the perception of how do you engage with people and what is that engagement process like throughout the entire life cycle even after someone's been placed and no longer working on an assignment or they've left where you place them at a different company how do you engage with those people when we were winning the global deal with the deco you know, ADECO place, what, a million people a day. Um, that's a lot of placements. Well, if you just look at that database, how do you mine that database and how do you engage with the people in that database to constantly be on, on the top of your radar, to know who you are, to know what you doing, to know why they should talk to you um, without just constantly calling them and spamming them for jobs because that may not be what they're interested in. So, you know, if I was running a firm or doing corporate recruiting, These are exactly the things I'd be thinking about, especially, you know, with 2023 and potential 2024, who knows what the economic landscape is going to be. Is there a way that you can simplify these things using tech to speed up the process, um, to make it more efficient, to make it where you need, you know, not to hire another 25 people to do this, but you can use technology to drive it. Um, That's why we were excited about building Assemble. Um, because we're leaning in on Salesforce to do that, we're leaning out on like, if you, who you go to for the best sales-focused software. I mean, Salesforce has kind of set the stage for that. So now, how do we how do we help Salesforce reinvent that, if you will, to become specific for recruiting? Um, and that's what that's where we're making our bet. I think this is what changes. This is what evolves the industry again um, by in, in really focusing on engagement and quality of engagement, just like so many other industries use Salesforce to do.
0: Sure. And I'll I'll double up on all of that. I feel like if I am a firm owner, most of the, I've had these conversations and there's not a ton of people that I feel like are truly letting it sink in. So here's what I'll, I'll tell the folks listening. Think about how you or your recruiters are going throughout their day. If there is ever a time where they are copy pasting multiple email addresses, or if they're sending out an email to more than I don't know five people, and it all has the exact same text in it, or if hopefully they're never sending out that email where they just change the person's name and then go and they <laughs> leave in the hashtag hashtag name, uh, which I did before, I'm guilty. But see how many times you feel you feel yourself doing that. See how many times you feel yourself just going with the, I've got a new position open on LinkedIn, and that's the only kind of content you're putting out. Just pay attention to it and start realizing that the data that's coming out right now about why people are trying to find new jobs has nothing to do with the job description that you're putting out there. All of this top reasons for a job change right now are coming down to do I share the same sorts of values? Do I get the kind of life that I want outside of work? Like it really has nothing to do with that actual job in the job description. So think about that as you're pushing out uh, your content and look at these companies that have, that sit atop the best place to work. The best yeah. place to work lists are filled with companies that are doing, here's what it's like to work here. Here's this amazing value. Here's what kind of value we put out into your life. Those are the types of things. The last podcast that I ever ran, my tagline was the best companies don't hire, they attract. That I feel like is exactly what we're talking about, this whole engagement model.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it applies to like, so that's for permanent placement and internal hiring and all that. And, you know, a lot of that still applies to temporary staffing as well. Very much so. How do you remove the friction? How do you make it easy? Like if you compare traditional temp staffing to like gig work with like Upwork and all of that, like, how do you simplify the experience? How do you make it so a temp worker, which there's a lot of temp workers that like to be temp workers. That's a lifestyle that they like. And there's also people that are just doing a interim until they find whatever else they want to do. How do you remove all of the pain points of them being able to see what opportunities are available for you to know that they're available um, for for them to be able to understand what the culture of the company that they're going to be placed in, even for a short period of time Is going to be like like if we do continue to head down a tougher path with the economy and hiring eventually slows down guess what temp staffing goes up it's the nature of staffing so how do you attract those people that are looking for temp jobs to come to your staffing firm and say i want to work with you guys find me a job how can i trust that you're going to have me placed how can I trust that when that placement rolls off, you're going to have me placed again? And how do you make it so stupid simple for me to just focus on doing a really good job at the assignment that I'm working on versus doing all the administrative things that you know I may have to do if you're not sophisticated enough on your technology? Those things matter. And those things often can come at a premium too. Like your clients, when they figure out that this is the level of service that you provide to your candidates, and this is the quality of candidates you're going to get, the benefit to to you that these candidates are only focused on your job versus all this other stuff, then all of a sudden you're, you're a premium type firm and you can, you know, potentially have a higher bill rate than, than what you had before. Yep.
0: Just finished talking about this. If anyone wants to go in depth on that, uh, go check out Colin Mooney's episode. Uh, yeah, we just Colin's went a through, rock star, right? Yeah, we just finished talking about the the experience and how it just needs to be completely changed. If that's the kind of firm you're trying to go for, it could be
1: completely different. Uh, yeah, and then you have the flip side too. If the if the economic climate continues to t- toughen, then all of a sudden, yeah, temp jobs go up but now everyone's trying to find jobs. So how do you engage with your clients and how do you make that meaningful? And how do you do the same thing we were just talking about on the candidate side with the client side to drive clients wanting to work with you? Because if I'm a hiring manager and I need a person to come in, I want the best person I can, but I want to do as little work as I can do because obviously if I'm hiring for that person, I need work to be done. So I'm usually working more myself or my team is. So how do you remove the friction from them? And it's, it's the same type of thing. Like, What's the engagement? How do you stay consistently on top of mine? Like we're finally switching back into an economic climate where, you know, I think it was easy to, or easier. It's never really easy, but easier to get clients to give you jobs to work on. Um, now, because, because no one could ha- find the talent. Now you're going to have so many agencies competing for all the jobs that are available because there's fewer of them. And then you're also going to have the agencies competing for temp. How do you stand out? How do you make sure that that client really realizes you're the firm that they should be partnering with? And it's going to go back to how it was many, many years ago. Um, and that's a, ch- that's a challenging environment. Yeah. And how do you not lump yourself into the commodity
0: buy of or grudge buy, I've heard it put, of, I don't care, just get me a candidate as fast as you can.
1: For as cheap as I can. And how do you right. change that dynamic? Like, I want a bill rate of, I want a markup of, you know, 25%. It's like, you can't run a healthy firm on a 25% markup with, with temp, unless you're massive. Um, so how do you how do you position? And I think technology um, is, is the biggest thing. And I also think the other thing we haven't talked about with technology, especially for the, the younger generation coming into these roles, they expect it. Like they expect a the digital first, easy, everything online. This should be stupid, simple. It should work like Instagram or TikTok or whatever. It should just, I don't have to think about It knows what I'm doing. Um, and I would imagine that many of them are going to choose the firms that they feel they get that from versus, wait, you want me to do this in Excel or in paper or what? Like that, that, that won't work.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally with you. Totally agree. I feel like we're going to have to do, uh, parts two through 100 of this at some point, because I feel like we can talk about this forever. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on, at least sharing some sort of insights. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn, other than LinkedIn, any other places you want people to go to find out more about
1: you? I mean, LinkedIn is the primer. I'm constantly on there. Um, I love uh, commenting and sharing. I try to give as much as I get on LinkedIn. Um, So that's your best bet to find me. I have a Twitter, but I haven't looked at Twitter in a very long time. Uh, And now it's intentional. I don't look at Twitter with all of the stuff that's going on. So um, LinkedIn is is where to find me. That's where everyone's going to end up. I'll be at SIA as well. So we'll be there. Perfect. All right,
0: everyone. Come see us all at uh, SIA. I think everyone that I've talked to so far is going to be there. Yeah, I think everyone will be. Uh, So yeah, big party at SIA. All right, Brandon, I really appreciate it. Um, I love all of our conversations. You've got such great insight. I appreciate you sharing it with the audience. And uh, I'll turn you loose. And everyone, if you want more episodes like this, it's at transformrecruiting.com or you can email me with ideas. Hello at bradowens.com. I'll see you all next time.